Yes, we are. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we have some exciting discussion today. We have one of the busiest persons in the world with us today. We've been trying to do this episode for like three years. <laughs> Either I'm not available or she's not available. But today, <laughs> today, today we finally caught up and... Um, I'm 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 certain that it's going to be a very um, interesting one. I, I have been looking forward to this for a long time, and it's one of those aspects of the whole, um, I would say, industry that has really piqued my interest. So finally, I get to ask questions that have really bothered me about what she does and how what she does helps with the whole picture that we're trying to paint. So today we have Fumi, and we'll allow her, you know, introduce herself as she deems fit, and give herself flowers, as you said. <laughs> oh yeah, like you say, flower. So, okay, yeah. Thank you, Shu. Thanks a lot for the opportunity. Thank you for inviting me. So I'm not so good at giving myself flowers, but so I'm Fumi Omoliki, um, an Azure and AI specialist at Microsoft. So my role involves working with various organizations to help them leverage their data. So think about all the buzz around data and AI. Today, everybody talking about chat GPT, people talking about data is a new currency. So my role really is to sit down with all of these organizations and just say, how can we help you leverage that data asset that you have? How can we help you leverage all of these AI uh, conversations to actually advance your own product innovation? So that's my role in a nutshell. Mm. So before we jump into your your role present, your present role, mm-hmm. can you discuss how you got to this point, like what you studied for undergrad, if you have masters, if you have MB, I know you have MB, but yeah. people don't know. <laughs> people don't know. So tell us how you got to this point and tell us what the what what were the motivations that you know inspired you to get to want to do something in tech. Yeah, so let me see. My motivation for tech. Hmm. So I studied engineering. I studied elect-to-elect engineering back home in Nigeria. I went to Covenant University. So growing up, I remember growing up when I was in high school, right? Secondary school, as we call it back home. My, I always thought I was going to be a doctor, like a million or two million other Nigerian kids, right? I can say that for you. Maybe. I can say that. <laughs> but when I got to senior secondary school like ss1 and i started doing like biology i just knew that i couldn't be a doctor like i hated biology class like so I, so that's so senior secondary school is the equivalent of high school in the u.s yeah, exactly yeah. right so i hated biology class but i loved physics right i wasn't really a fan of chemistry but i loved physics and i loved uh mathematics so in a way i started i, I realized I, w- I wasn't gonna be a doctor at this rate <laughs> and then my dad is also an engineer so my dad before I retired, he was into design and construction of dams. So I got to actually see him work and just like watching his team several times, thinking about the way, like sometimes they'll come home, we work and they're like doing design, they're talking about different issues and how they can address something. So just having them around growing up got me interested in engineering. Like, okay, how do we actually use technology to solve problems for the society? 
So it was easy for me to decide like what I was going to do when I realized I wasn't going to be a medical doctor. So yeah, so that's how I actually got into the tech- technology part. So I went to Covenants, got my degree. Uh, when I was in, towards the end of school, 411, so I took this class that was, uh, that was being taught by a professor that actually worked within the telecom industry in Germany before he came back to Nigeria to give back. And it just really got me interested in telecoms. Like his classes were like so interesting, just talking about the telecom industry, the growth, the trends, the technologies behind communications. So it got me interested. So when it was time for me to do my undergrad internship, I wanted to work in the telco space. Fortunately, I got to work at Nokia Siemens. I think now it's now, it's just called Nokia. So I did my internship there after school, got to work at Ericsson and then... I got to move to another telco company. So, so in a way, I feel like I've always been in tech. I've I've been in that space for a long time. I've just done like a different kind of technology. I know a lot of people don't think about the telecom industry when they think about tech, but the conversations you have are powered by technology. That yes. beautiful guys. Hmm. So yeah. So I would say my background and the people I had around me growing up got me interested in actually working in the in the, in the technology space. Yeah, so so you moved from from that. So what 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 made you uh, transition to studying MBA? Because oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So MBA. So let me see. Going back to my journey, right? So I worked with telecom industry in Nigeria for for like four years, right? Within that four years, I worked as an engineer. I moved into uh, an executive assistant role where I actually worked on, on an acquisition project. From there, I then moved to work as a product manager, so product manager slash market analyst, right, for a startup company. So I did that for like, I did that last role for like a year or two or so. Mm-hmm. At that point in time, I said, okay, now I'm no longer like Anson engineer. Now I'm more on the business side of tech, right, business side of telecoms. It probably makes sense for me to go actually learn what business is. My background is engineering, right? I, I knew nothing about what I was doing. Like everything I was doing, there was me learning and talking to people. Mm. So I just thought, okay, MBA is a good way for me to actually go to school and learn from people who have done this thing before, right? Mm. Like people get some international experience that will actually be hands-on in addition to what I was already getting in Nigeria. So that's why I decided to go for MBA. And, and fortunately, I had some interesting colleagues at work that were also on the MBA path. So it was good to have them around, like study together, get their perspective, prepare for interviews and, and um, applications together. So, so yeah, that's how I transitioned from my job then into MBA. And then coming to the U.S. to do my MBA opened me up to like opportunities to recruit with tech companies in the U.S., so I actually joined Microsoft. I did my under my MBA internship at Microsoft. I was a product marketing manager, which was closely aligned to my last role in Nigeria, right? Which was which had a lot to do with market analysis and product management. Mm. So it was fun, fun times. But also I think I quickly realized plus it, some other things that happened in my life then that okay, this wasn't like, you know, this wasn't ideal for me. So yeah, so MBA wrapped up, moved into sales, and I've been in sales for like three and a half years now. Mm. So now I work as a sales engineer at Microsoft. Thank you for 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 you know diving smoothly into our main topic today. Yeah. I've 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 always seen myself as someone who would not thrive in sales and marketing. 
<laughs> if you put me in sales, because I think one of my fears is where my salary will be tied towards um, what I sell. Or what, what do you call it? Um, what do you call that? Uh, to or targets. <laughs> yeah, targets, yes. No, that, that's going to give me sleepless nights. I just want to work, give my <laughs> constant input and my constant salary room. I don't want a situation where they say, oh, your, your salary is based on how much you, you bring into the company. So if you don't bring, if you bring zero dollars, then zero <laughs> money. Like, so, so tell me how, how that experience has been for you, knowing your background in engineering and having to you know, change your outlook. Because the general saying is that a lot of engineers do not know how to, um, I would say, inter- not, not interact, but know how to, like, mix with the outside world. They just want to be in their own cubicle, do writing codes or solving problems be- behind doors or, you know, at the back, back, back background. And, yeah, but now you are a sales engineer, so to speak, where you have to, like, present things, convince people to want to buy into your idea. So how has that been for you, that experience been for you? Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that question. So I can totally relate, right? Like if someone had asked me, I've, I've done this job for almost four years now, right? If someone had asked me like five, six years ago, like, oh, for me going to sales, or oh, you're going to be doing like sales in the next two years, and I said, hell no. And it's not like I never wanted to do sales, right? So I had this when I was when I was in my internship at Nokia Service in Nigeria, there was there was this lady who was the head of sales team at Nokia Service then, and I just really loved her. Like she just really inspired me, and she's still in sales now, by the way. But she's still awesome, like amazing woman. You probably would know her if I mention her name. So I used to watch her from afar. I knew that at some point I would love to do sales, but for me it was like I don't think I would enjoy it. I see myself as an introvert, so I'm not that kind of person that constantly wants to be in front of people. But I also knew that it was a, it was an experience or a skill that was necessary. So I was planning to get to that support. But for me, it was like something that that be down the line, like maybe five years, six years from like 2017, right, when I decided to come to the U.S. for my MBA. So when I actually got the sales job, I was petrified <laughs> i was just like god i'm not sure i'm ready for this right i don't think i want to sell you know this is my first stint in corporate america outside of my internship right like i didn't want to like go into corporate america as a salesperson so i was actually petrified but over time i i just learned that one when it comes to sales Yes, you may not have that business experience. You may be coming with engineering experience, right? But if you're doing sales technology, your engineering experience actually still counts because you're going to be learning a lot of tech quickly. So think about some of the some of the things that I used to like talk to my customers about when I joined Microsoft three and a half years ago. They're almost extinct now because Microsoft is constantly innovating and constantly adding new features. So that means your ability to assimilate new technology quickly is very important. Mm-hmm. I would say that also just also there's something I, I read in a book where the person said, remember that all of these people that you're meeting, they're also just people. They are people like you. And I think that's has helped me when I show up on those calls. Like, yes, I may be an introvert or I might be this kind of person that I never would have thought I'd be selling. But at the end of the day, these are interactions with other human beings like me. So show up there, empathize with them, understand what they're trying to achieve. 
and find a way to help them to get to their destination based on the combination of your own resources, whether it's people resources, whether it's funding from Microsoft, or whether it's you thinking about, okay, you know, what technologies do you want to use? And I'll say that MBA also really helped me. So if you, I, I, I don't even think it's just MBA, just if you're schooled in America, you know that getting a job is a lot of networking, the same as Nigeria, right? But MBA, we had all of these networking events where they would, they would create like mock sessions for us to like go around, talk to each other. And even also during recruitment, right? We had to like go talk to recruiters, reach out to people on LinkedIn. So basically it's, it's almost that same skill. That skill that I add to like nurture during MBA is really handy for me now. Cause now I have to do a lot of prospecting means I'm reaching out to executives I've never spoken to before. So it's a lot of code calling, right? Mm. I get on calls and I have to like build rapport with people I've never met before, which as a shy person, you know, I would say as a shy introvert, that was, that was like a big deal. But I got to nurture that skill there in MBA too. And when it comes to like even meeting them in person, right? Like all of those networking events that we had in school, whether it was the practice event or the real ones, right? All of those, all of those actually helped me to get more comfortable, like speaking to people, approaching them. So, so I would say, even though I, I have an engineering background and my personality itself is not exactly the extroverted type, a combination of my skill as an engineer and things I learned in school and me just knowing that you have this job already, you can't afford to screw up, right? Mm-hmm. So just, just mm-hmm. get it done. Mm-hmm. And, has been really helpful so i think when i think of my role right i know people ask me this a lot like oh do i need to have like a very technical background to do this i'm like no i'm not i don't see my i don't see myself as a very technical person and i've seen other people in my role that have no engineering background right but it's but they're just like willing to learn they're they're nice people they really want to help and that has just really made them successful so they're like reading up and things and when they're stuck they're reaching out to people and they're also able to like communicate to their customers and really just understand what they are trying to solve within the organizations Mm. so for uh our listeners out there i don't like false advertisements this young lady is not introverted when you see her speak when you meet her there's no way you will say she's an introvert because when she starts talking about things she knows, you'll be like, okay, I need to go back to school. But anyways, let's 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 move to the next uh, aspect. Um so for me, I I see myself as a CEO of a company, mm-hmm. right? I have a product, you know, for this for this podcast. Relax for this podcast. <laughs> so um, I have a product that I want to push out there and I come to meet you as a salesperson. How do you help me push my product out there? How do you assist me in achieving that? Mm-hmm. How do I help you to push your product out there? Yes. So I'll say, so my default way of thinking about product and technology is to start from the problem, right? Just And that's just because of where I sit in the sales process. But let's say, let's say I'm working with you as a CEO, as a founder, you have this product. For me to help you push your product out there, I need to understand what exactly, what, what, what's your own vision for that product? What made you think of that product? What problems are you trying to solve with it, right? That's like mm-hmm. thinking about value prop, how you like compared to your competitors. I like to understand what your roadmap is because I see there's some, there's some products that 
I think are just features that should be built into something instead of actually founding a company around them. So I'd like to really understand that, understand, okay, what's your target market, right? Is it like individuals? Like, are you doing B2B? Is it B2C? If it's B2B, what's the space? Is it enterprise? Is it like small, medium scale? Like really understanding all of those things. So once I get a good picture, good understanding of, okay, what you're trying to solve and why you created it and what you have planned in the future, as if I'm working with you as your, let's say your VP of sales, for instance, I can then go out there and actually start reaching out to these like target customers, right? People who I believe there's a, there's a need they have within their company. I'm not for there's something Satya says. It says we're not creating technology for the sake of technology, right? Mm. For me as a salesperson, I'm not just selling for this for the sake of selling. At the end of the day, what brings me joy is approaching a company, an individual within a company, understanding, talking to them about their challenges, where you, where do you want to be? Some people are like, oh, I'm trying to like increase revenue. Some people are saying I'm trying to cut down cost, right? Which of course will increase your revenue in a way. Some people are saying, oh, I just want to improve my processes. So me understanding that all of those issues where you want to be, you're not there. My goal then is to map it to the technology or the product that she was bought. So that way I sell, I'm happy, you know, I'm making my money. At the same time, this person who is buying it is also like getting value from it. So for me, that's like a win-win situation. I, I think the world has moved past where you just like sell things to people and run away, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> now is a lot of solution selling, which means there's subscription model, right? You're not just selling licenses and running away. You need to like get them hooked on your product and make sure they continue consuming your products because if not you sell once you make money but then you die right because mm. you don't have any value so so yeah that's the way i'll think about selling your product if i were in a position to you know help you go to market okay so how does a typical day look like for you say you are a vp for my company how do you think, or how right now? Just let's let's map it. Let's be, I'll say, let's be flexible. Uh, let's map your experience right now in the past and now to you being a VP of my company. Mm-hmm. How would your day to day be, or okay. how would it look like? That sounds like an interview question. So what I'll do? <laughs> I'll tell you what my day to day is like right now. You get right. Mm-hmm. I'm not a VP of sales somewhere. So my <laughs> I'll say every day is not the same, right? Because one thing I love about sales is it gives you a lot of autonomy, right? You know, at the beginning of the fiscal year, I get my quota, I get my customers. I'm fortunate to have my customers, right? Because I know people who work for other companies that they don't give them customers, they just give them territories. So I'm based in North Carolina. They'll say, oh, North Carolina and Georgia is your territory right like go for them prosper so that means you go look for your customers you sell to them right so i'm privileged to work for a company where i'm not just given a territory in terms of like landmass i'm actually given like accounts but it's still up to me to like nurture relationships like look for people within those companies nurture the relationship with them understand their priorities and just really go through the sales process with them right mm-hmm. so for me my job it my day-to-day involves a lot of meetings so it's either i'm like meeting with my customers on all of these things like what are you trying to do or maybe there's a project going on that i'm trying to project manage or program manage sometimes it's it's me actually um 
meeting with even internal folks within Microsoft, right? So it could be with the rest of the account team that also support this customer. It could be with the engineering team that are probably going to help me on the, on, on the project I'm working on with the customer. So I would say my everyday, it's, it's a lot of calls with internal and external stakeholders. There's also the part where you have to constantly train. I actually have a training due this month that I've not gotten to. So there's a part where you have to like constantly read on what's new. So that that way, when you get in front of these companies, right? Like for me, so that at least I know, I know, I know what's 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 latest, and know what I can tell them about uh, what Microsoft is doing. So every day is, is a lot of calls and also a lot of strategizing. I think one part of sales that people don't understand is the amount of data you have to process. So at the beginning of the fiscal year, they give you this account, right? You still need to like go into each company to say, okay, we call it white space analysis. So that means you try to understand what, what do they have deployed today in terms of like their technology stack. You also have to like go through like what's on what's online about them. So what are they saying on their website that their products are about? What are they saying in their annual annual reports, their quarterly earnings? You need to think about all of those things. You need to follow them like constantly. Like are they acquiring new company? Are they divesting? So it's a lot of data that you have to like bring together to be mm. crystallized. To think what value can I actually bring to this company? So this mm. is outside of the calls you have with your customer, outside of the calls you have with your internal stakeholders, outside of the trainings you need to do so that you are sound technology-wise, you still need to constantly like do all of this kind of reading on your customers. And you're not doing it just once, right? Because they are changing, you are changing, everybody's like trying to be better at what they do. And you also just want to be up to date on them. So it's a lot of constantly processing data, analyzing, like re-strategizing. Because you could start a fiscal year and you're thinking, okay, this is my understanding of the value of that I can bring to this customer. And then you have like this economic crisis we're having, right? And everything that's changing is that everybody's trying to like reduce costs. Like yeah. yourself is changing. You're not just changing your strategy. They're changing your strategy. So you need to align and be like, okay, how can I add value in this, in this current economic climate? You know, mm. so mm. constantly just rethinking and, uh, making sure that you're able to like help the, the customers you're assigned to. Mm. So let's say, let's say going to this particular part that I find, I mean, I think I've asked this question yeah. before. Mm -hmm. um, two questions. How do you, um, how do you show that you're different from your competitors? That people look, I mean, you, there's no, um, I would like to put there's no idea that it's just in isolation. People are doing similar things across board all over the world. Mm -hmm. But how do you, as a salesperson, convince your future and your current clients that the services and product that you 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 offer are better? I don't, maybe not better, but you know, how do you convince them to stay with you? Yeah. So for me, I actually don't lead conversations with competitors like, oh, this is what I do. This is what my customer does, right? It's not a conversation I, I lead with. My conversations always starts with what are you trying to achieve? What value are you trying to unlock? And then we work backwards from there. And then if at some point you say, okay, yeah, this is what we're trying to do. But I'm also looking at social so, so customer, right? Or social so, so technology provider, right? Then we start saying, then we start having a conversation on, okay, why you should actually consider us over this other technology company. And when it comes to these comparisons, right, I know sometimes you meet with some organizations and they just want to like stick with like cost, like, oh, this person is cheaper here. Yes. Or that person is cheaper there. 
like techno technology itself like it's easy you can make a decision based on cost right but you also have to like step back a bit and really ask yourself okay what's your own tech strategy so i'm in data and ai right the question is what's your data what's a data strategy what are you trying to do because when you when you step back and think about your data strategy you could you could at that point you could actually realize that oh i can go for this technology provider for this particular uh, business need I'm trying to meet, right? But does it align with the rest of my strategy? Because that's that other provider may not have something that would be a perfect fit for the remainder of what you're hoping to achieve. So typically, I don't go in just talking about oh my competitor is doing and why you should buy me based on like cost and value or cost and this particular uh, feature or capability. It's like look at you have, look we have to look at the broader picture. What's hmm. What are we trying to do here? And you see some customers that the reason why they would decide to go with the other person has nothing to do with my own my own company's capability, right? Sometimes it's they're already heavily invested in this other competitor, right? And mm-hmm. it makes sense. Like I'd like to put myself in my customers' shoes. So if I'm talking with the CIO, for instance, and for some reason they decided to be heavily invested in 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 the other competitor, right? If it doesn't make sense for them to bring me in, I can actually, I can live with that because if I went their shoes, I probably would make the same decision, right? Right. right. This person that can decide to keep pushing, which, which it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Just depends on, you know, what makes sense to you and what you, what value you think doing that would bring to the customer, right? But Mm. it's, it's beyond just doing competitor analysis. It's like, stepping back a bit and saying, okay, what, what's my customer trying to do? How can I get them there? And mm. the thing is, this this almost sounds like a Microsoft advert, right? But the thing about Microsoft is Microsoft has been around for a long time and we do a lot of things. So um, my data and AI product sits within Azure, right? There's a 365, which that's where all the office and the Excels and the Teams and all of yeah. those, right? Suits, yeah. And then there is the biz apps with that houses all of the power platform, which is your power apps, your power automates, the dynamics, right? So mm-hmm. it's so because of that, because of that broad product base, we do a lot of things. And stepping back could mean that okay, I don't want to have multiple providers. I'm already using Microsoft today. I don't want to like use this other company there. I want to have this coercive IT tech uh, technology stack so that mm-hmm. we need to just stick with microsoft and we do a lot of great things but at the end of the day companies make a decision on which is which just based on what they're trying to achieve Mm. so i I have one very funny question for you yeah so you've gone to do your job you've gotten the clients you're like okay this is like one of my top clients Mm -hmm. i've killed this like we are on good terms and something happens Mm -hmm. with the customer support yeah how do you marry how do you navigate that wall, that stumbling block where you've had this customer maybe for a few years and yeah. trying to like build strong yeah. relationship with them? I think I've asked you this question before. But, <laughs> yeah. But customer support does something like they come and say, nope, we need to leave your company because you guys are not... Uh, yeah. well, I mean, maybe not like I don't invite you, but yeah. something just happened that, yeah. Yeah. And your VP is shouting on your head like, what have you guys done? <laughs> well, so I'm not, I'm not on the customer support side. So customer support is typically post-sales and pre-sales. But yes. something so, post-sales. So, 
yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, after you've done your pre yeah. yeah, you've done your job, and you're not passing on to the customer yeah. support, yeah, and you're not doing something, yeah. So, I think for me, right, and I've, and this is what people at Microsoft do generally, is this is where your people skills will come. Because when someone is angry, it's probably not the time for you to start pointing, oh, but you didn't do this, right? Like, you didn't architect the environment well. When you when we told you to deploy the security tool, you did not do it. Yep. Or, like, it's probably not the time to start having those conversations. So I think this this is where the people element just comes to. Like, it's time to empathize with them, right? To really say, okay, I get it. This happened. You have every right to be angry. I probably would be angry if I went to your case too, right? So it's really just listening and trying to manage manage the situation. Some mm. cases, there are probably customers that even with all of the management and they still decided to leave. But if if it's a customer that you've nurtured a relationship with, right? They already see you as a partner and not a vendor. You know, they probably want to find a way to work with you to move forward. That makes so, sense. Yeah, that so it sense. also depends on because if it's, if it's a customer that just sees as a vendor, they probably would not want to listen to you, right? They just mm. like, yeah, shut it down, we're moving. But it's it's like think of like think about your own relationships, right? You know, you have this friend. If your friend does something to hurt you, you most likely want to listen to your friend than just mm. from it and be like, I'm cutting this cord, burning this bridge, we're never gonna talk again. So yeah, relationship is very important. It's, mm. Yeah. Okay, so as as I said, I'm a CEO, and I want to hire a sales VP. What mm-hmm. are the what are the skills or what are the things I need to watch out for uh, in picking someone? I think it's someone. Let me let me see. Hmm. Skills. I would say you you want someone you want their people skills is important definitely you want someone that is um empathetic and kind mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. selling to someone selling to any company or pe- person requires empathy so you want someone that's empathetic you want someone that has a growth mindset which means that you know they're willing to learn they're willing to pivot quickly if a strategy is not working or if the economy itself is just changing um you want someone that can collaborate with other people because Sales is a lot of, and depending on the size of the company, you most likely have to work with several people. It's not even just your own company, right? So I would say collaboration is important because the other company you want to sell to, this is me assuming it's a B2B, then maybe several people across the organization that you need to engage. So I'll think about for my customers, sometimes I have to speak with the CIA. The CIA will be like, oh, I'm excited about this. Go work with the VP for so-so-so. You get the VP will be like, oh, yeah, this is great. And all. I'm going to assign... Uh, this person on my team to work with the architect from your side. So you realize that even though the vision started from the CIO, right, you're already having to like talk to several people within the organization. And that means you need to like nurture relationships. You need to still get their own buy-in. They still need to like, like what you're selling. They need to like feel like feel they can trust you as a technical advisor. So a VP of sales needs to have that collaboration skills too. So I would say if I were to rank, I would say be a good communicator, be a good people person so that means you're able to work with other people be empathetic so you know be be able to put yourself in other people's shoes be able to step back and really listen to what people are trying to achieve and the challenges they're facing and also have a growth mindset so i mean good mindset is to me important because you're trying to make money (laughs) i try to make money so you need to 
you know how to grow the business. Okay, um, you're a black woman mm-hmm. and an immigrant. Mm-hmm. What role does um, let me put it this way, how does that affect the outlook? I mean, don't use Microsoft. <laughs> how how does that affect how you see things? How I see things. So when you say outlook, is it career prospect or how I just see things generally? Um, I would say in sales. In sales. Uh, yes. Hmm. Let's see. Hmm. I'm just thinking about my own experience as a black person in sales. I'll say my experience has been fairly good. Like I I remember when I was joining, it was actually a concern. Like when I was moving into the sales role, I think I mentioned it earlier. Mm-hmm. One of the things that made me petrified was the fact that I was a black person, like African, never really worked in corporate America apart from my internship. And yeah. I was the liaison with people mm-hmm. across different levels of the organization every day. I was scared and petrified, right? But now that I'm in it, right, I would say people... People may have their biases when you get on a call or when they see you and you're trying to talk to them about something. But and this is where it goes back to building a relationship, right? Mm-hmm. It may for some for some relationship building may come easy with them because you guys just hit it off quickly. You move to talking about what they're trying to do. You just have a good rapport. For some, it's probably gonna take a longer time because well, they're dealing with their own things. They may have some biases that you're perceiving, but you're not sure. But just because of the job, you have to like keep, keep like keep at it, and as you and hope that everybody you know has a uh, has good intentions, right? Mm. So I would say like for me, that's been my approach and outlook to thinking about okay, being a black woman in sales, a black woman especially in non-American in uh, corporate America. In terms of career prospects, I was I would say I've had a good run in my working within Microsoft, so I I. I I've just been really privileged to have amazing people, like teammates, managers, and also I can't really say that I can't I think I, I I can't say that being a black woman, you know, has impacted my career growth. Others may not agree, but I think for me it's it's been a smooth run and I and you know, I believe that there's so much ahead of me. I'm excited about the future. Mm. And, um yeah. I'm 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 going to charge you. Yeah. For this for this podcast because you've really advertised Microsoft. <laughs> I'm gonna you're gonna pay me after this. So the reason I ask that question is is because my aunt uh we went to buy a car. Yeah. So immediately we entered the front desk person um directed us to a black person. Mm-hmm. And the black person is 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 an immigrant too. Yeah. from the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. And so when we sat down, I kind of like, I was kind of conscious. I looked around. There was a table behind us, yeah. a, seat, a seat behind us, where a Latina, a Latina sat. And the people she was serving are from the Latin part of the world. So it felt like, okay, this culture is for this culture. So even I looked on my on my right left hand side, I saw a white man addressing a white family. So I kind of felt like maybe 
it's kind of something that salespeople do where they try to marry cultures in such a way that it's easier to express yourselves, to be able to speak in, maybe, like, maybe not in the same languages, but understand cultural aspects and understand how, for example, if you want to give a Yoruba woman or a Yoruba man something, you have to use your right hand and not left hand. So that kind of paints, paints a, a clear picture on what angle you want to go to. That's why I asked that question. Yeah, so I don't know why that company did that, right? But like what crossed my mind when you were talking was trust, right? People mm. people want to buy from people they trust. And no car salesmen or car saleswomen, they already have this bad rap already. People think that, oh, you know, they just want to like sell. Yes, 100%. <laughs> they they yes. just want to sell, they don't care about you, right? So maybe if you if you're talking to someone that you feel looks like you sounds like you, that probably will make you trust them quickly. But but but, but someone like me, I already see that I set up. Yeah, so I I get that. So there's also that part where um it's I'm trying to remember the word that they use right. Is it is it it's not profiling because I remember someone someone said it recently you know when you when you when it's it's almost a situation whereby you you know you're a new black employee right and then they they assign you to a mentor that is black yes like i know know people don't like that and i don't know why that company did what they did right but the what came to my mind when you're talking was okay could be trust right they're trying to get your trust quickly and you know casios is not like this multi-month process right it's probably a decision that can be made in a couple of hours in a couple of days so they need to get your trust Quickly, you quickly, know, as soon yeah. as possible. But I would say in my own world, right, uh, there aren't so many black women in tech sales that I have met. One hundred percent. So, so there's nobody. You can't. You can't be forming assigning me to black people. <laughs> <laughs> you have to you keep it. Maybe because I'm Nigerian, I rarely notice like, oh, who's black or who's white or who's like, you know, who's non-American on calls. But there are some calls there. I guess I'm like, oh, wow, I'm actually the only black person. I'm also the only woman, right? So so it's a lot of getting on calls with, like, guys from different, uh, you know, races and things like that. So, um, so yeah, I think it would be hard for you to do that kind of profiling in in tech industry. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Okay. But, you know, there's profiling in tech industry, right? Um. Well, I would want to say yes to that without you expatiating on what you mean. Okay, by- yeah. I'll, I'll give you like my favorite example. Yeah, hand wash soap. Uh huh. Someone said, I mean, people experience it where yeah. a white person puts their hand under the soap dispenser and dispenses soap. A black yeah. person does the same thing and does it. Oh, even, right. even even up to facial recognition softwares oh. and stuff. Oh yeah, so that's that's where we talk about AI and responsible AI, right? Yes. It's as it's when you say so, so when you say properly the tech industry, that's not really like. I think that's a different topic, really. And I yes, think it is huge. Topic, yeah, it's it's a, it's huge, right? Mm. So right now, everybody's talking about open AI because of ChatGPT. So it's one of the conversations I have a lot, and a lot of you know, the leaders across different organizations are asking, okay, how can I govern AI? How can I make sure it's doing the right thing? So people are very much conscious of responsible AI. They want to build AI models that are not, you know, that are not racial yes. or just biased. So, mm. so it's a big problem. Um, but I also think there's several companies now standing up to resolve it. 
I remember when I came to the US too, like then if I spoke to Alexa, you know, it's Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> me. But now I can actually have a conversation with Alexa. I can have a conversation with Siri. And without it saying, sorry, I can't hear you. <laughs> so, you know, so that for me, like as an individual, that for me is progress. That's companies like getting mm. more data and making sure they're training these models to be able to like recognize people. And I know there's still a long way to go. Yeah. Right? Because yes. I was using a government app recently. I can't remember what I was trying to do. And the app had the capability. It, 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 it had two options. Like you upload your picture or you actually take a picture with the picture app. And I know this app kept on telling me I needed more lights. Even uh-huh. when and, yes. And yes. You get. Yes. So I get that there's still like, a, there's still, you know, there's still a long way to go. You know, before we actually rewrite all of the, we retrain all of the AI models that are already, you know, they're already biased mm-hmm. and build new ones that are good. There's, there's, a, there's a wrong way for us, but people and organizations are becoming more aware of responsible AI and how they can, you know, make sure that it does what it's meant to do without yeah. segregating um, some, some people in the economy. Yeah. Interestingly, um, there's one lady, a Nigerian lady, that is really doing an extensive research on responsible AI and machine learning. I think I ran into her in 2019 on Netflix. I can't remember her name now. And, and, and that was because I was doing, I did my master's thesis in machine learning. So I am very familiar with how that can be a huge problem. Especially where you have your automobile, like automobiles that are driving, self-driving cars, yeah. or apps that you need to use. <laughs> There's something I have to say now. But yeah, there's uh, an immigration app that the United States government is using for the border. And I read somewhere that it's finding it difficult to recognize faces, mm-hmm. to be able to app, to be able to even um, log on and apply for certain immigration uh, benefits. So those things, like, it's really huge, as you say, that mm-hmm. when, we that were in tech, we need to push for those things and also the black black people, people of color, that we need to like push for those those strategies so that we we include everyone. We try to ensure that everyone is included there because we don't want to leave people out. Yeah, yeah, and that's why we even we black people need to use this. Uh, we need to use all these AI based applications more because mm. you know if the more you use, the better the AI model gets. Right? Yes, yes, retraining itself. So yeah. I mean, trust. Trust is one 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 of those big issues that we have mm-hmm. in tech world. Um, so, my last question. Uh, yeah. This has been a great, great podcast, great episode. Mm-hmm. My last question. I've asked everyone that's come on this show. Mm-hmm. Explain what you do to a seven-year-old. Let's <laughs> see. What do I do to a seven-year-old? Let me think about. So. It's a gift, though. <laughs> I'm just thinking about it. I'll say, you know, I help companies. I help them build cool things, right? <laughs> <laughs> I help them to build cool, cool things using their data and technology. That's just, that's like... So, so if someone would know what data is, auntie, please... Oh, yeah, please don't underestimate the seven year olds that have been born nowadays. I mean, the ones uh, that in this world, those people do a lot. Like, 
Yeah, so I'll, if I don't want to see data, I just help companies build cool things. That's all. Mm, okay, no problem. Yeah. You just, I think I will just say you sell person. You sell, you sell um, tech products door to door. You knock on doors and say, "Do you want to buy this product? It will help you do this." And say. But, uh, but that, but that would be that would be lying because that's not what. I, do, <laughs> I mean, it's very similar to what you do. Go ah. door to door, knock, knock at doors and say, "I sell this." Oh, I guess it's similar too. Yeah, I guess. See, I, I'm, I'm, I'm helping everybody to be able to define what they do to seven year old. People are meant to just, I guess just give me money. Yeah, I guess it's similar. Um, anyways, remember to credit my account from Microsoft. I'm expecting a lot because, but this, but, but this has been a very nice, yeah. nice uh, episode, and hopefully we would we will catch up more and have more discussions because. I think I'm 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 interested in what you do with AI now and chat GPT and the likes. I think we would have uh I'll say an extensive discussion next time we'll catch up. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for very yeah. much. And how is North Carolina? It's 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 good. Mm. It's, it's getting warmer, so yeah. So North Carolina gets cold? Oh yeah, it gets cold. <laughs> wow. Wow. It gets cold. It's one of those places that I, I plan to like say leave for like six months just to experience the yeah. culture and yeah, but I don't like cold. Well like but it's not like it's still the south, right? So it's not like it gets like really cold, but it still gets cold. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. Thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Wow. Finally, finally we did this. Yeah. Hallelujah. After three years. We did it. <laughs> Joe, we did it. We did yeah. it, Joe. Yep. <laughs> we did it. All right. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for the time and the opportunity. Yeah, welcome. All Have right. a good one. You too. Bye. Yeah, bye. Bye.